Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Welcome to this middle of July program. Our fun fest here on The Fan on Sunday mornings. We have a very good show today. Always pleased when it happens that we have a guest in studio. Yeah, that doesn't happen often enough on this program. Gentleman had spoken with us last year on our program. We had a very good discussion then about the Police Athletic League. The executive director of the Police Athletic League, pal Fred Watts, is in studio with us. It's nice to see you again. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to our program. Nice to, nice to have you join us. A um, number of things that I want to get into will get into talking a little later in our discussion about um, this, the importance of the interaction of young people with uh, police officers. But I always like to do a little bit of background here on PAL. Um, many of us were exposed to PAL in our youths, and the impact that that had was phenomenal. And that was part of the discussion that we had last year. And we were able to then work in some thoughts from some of the people listening to us um, as well. But for somebody who doesn't know, and believe it or not, there might actually be somebody in the world who doesn't know what PAL is all about. How do you describe what PAL is? Well, PAL is, we'll start with the history. It's been around since 1914, so for over 100 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it started with police officers looking to give youth development opportunities to neighborhood kids with the hope that if kids stayed busy and active, they would less likely get in sort of any kind of uh, trouble. Um, Over the years, it has developed where the police work with youth development professionals. And for the last, you know, over 50 years, 60 years, um, the police work in collaboration with uh, the professionals that we have and we have all sorts of programs. It's not only, of course, we started as athlete, with athletics, but we have all sorts of youth development opportunities. We actually start from the age of two with child care. We work our way up through after-school programs. We have arts programs, sports programs, academic programs. Um, we have all sorts of programs with the idea that, that we can give children in the city opportunities to develop and grow and be productive citizens. So that's who we are. How did you come to Pell? Um, my uh, story is uh, 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 I was born in the Bronx. Uh, my father was a police officer, actually. Um, but my father had a law degree and worked both as a lawyer and as a regular police officer. So over, as growing up, I sort of learned about, um, you know, sort of police and sort of had a sort of a high regard for my parents and for police. Um, I ultimately went to law school and became a prosecutor in Uh, New York City, um, but had the uh, great good and great fortune to work for uh, Robert Morgenthau, who was the longtime Manhattan district attorney, who was also the chairman of the Police Athletic League. 
So over the years, with both my professional background and my personal background, I became very interested in youth development opportunities and sort of merging the law enforcement with youth development. So it's sort of not an accident that after 30 years as a prosecutor and looking for another opportunity, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with the Police Athletic League. And how has it been? It has been uh, everything I could have hoped for. It's a great opportunity to merge my own personal interest in just youth and youth development. It's been a great opportunity to sort of work with kids of this city. Um, it's just been everything I would hope for. When you're talking about PAL, and we were talking a little bit before we started the program today about a, a number of different areas of PAL. Um, you know, as you said in introducing, providing some background on the organization, PAL has been around for more than 100 years. And a lot of people probably think when they hear about an organization that's been around for uh, over 100 years, they think, okay, well, you know, they must be pretty solid. And you know where I'm going when I say pretty solid. (laughs) Um, Because they'll think, eh, fundraising must not ever be an issue for them. What's it like? Um, It is a daily um, challenge um, to give the to basically invite the kinds of resources uh, for children first of all um, uh, as anybody who's a parent uh, knows uh, developing children is an expensive proposition you no need, <laughs> you need teachers you need equipment you want to take them on trips you want they need uh, uniforms for sports they need all sorts of um, Resources, So it is a very expensive proposition to give children what they really deserve. Um, secondly, we have many wonderful, generous donors, and we have uh, government uh, uh, donors and foundations. But when you put it all together, the, the dreams we have for the children are always slightly higher than um, what we are able to uh, develop in, in fundraising. So we are out there every day trying to get our message across that <clears throat> for the city to be great and for the children to have what they need, we really need a lot of uh, resources. And so it is a challenge. We are pretty successful, um, but it is a challenge every day to make sure that the children have what they really deserve. Now, part of the money that comes to PAL comes from government? That is correct. We have um, we have both federal and state funding that supports our early childhood education. We have uh, city funding that supports a good deal of our after-school programs. Um, We have volunteers from government sources like the New York City Police Department. So we do have a pretty good chunk of resources that come from government funding. But that said, we are out there every day with fundraisers, uh, events. Um, We have a very robust development uh, office that really tries to get our message out to let people know that if they really want to help kids, we're one of the places that they can do that in. Okay. We're going to do this a couple of different times in the course of our discussion. We're talking with Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League, or PAL. What's a way for people who are listening to our discussion today who may want more information on PAL, or maybe you've touched somebody's heart or will over the course of this hour? They want to donate, become involved. How can they do that? The best way to contact, uh, to get in both information, learn about us, and if you are so inclined to um, donate, 
is through our website, which is www.palnyc.org. If you go onto that website, you will learn the types of programs we do, opportunities to, um, to give to PAL. You can also have con- uh, sort of connections to Facebook pages, YouTube channels to sort of see sort of the kids in action um, is another great opportunity to sort of learn more about us, become inspired, I think, by the work our staff does. Hmm. So you've actually gotten involved in social media, huh? We have. I'm, you know, I'm a bit of an old timer, but um, I do have two kids in their 20s and certainly <laughs> have learned both from them and from our staff that, the, you know, we're in, the, you know, in our current environment, people communicate in a variety of different ways, and we've tried to get our message out that way as well. WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. You want to join our discussion, you can. 877-337-6666. That's our phone number here at WFAN. We're talking with Fred Watts, who's executive director of PAL, Police Athletic League. Tell you what, let's go to the phone. Go to uh, Eric in uh, Bayville. Eric, uh, good morning. Welcome to the fan. I just want to say the PAL League is one of the best things that Long Island and the metro area has had. Um, I'm a lacrosse player. Um, uh, I would say about 1993, I played lacrosse for PAL League until about 1998. I became a all-state lacrosse player. And I just want to say the uh, police uh, Beloved Association is one of the best gifts that you can give to any kid. Um, even a good family, bad family, anything that you want to put in. They had police officers being our coaches and directing us through hard times. And that PAL League is so indispensable to young athletes. I just wanted to call and just reiterate that point. I want to thank you for uh, sharing that uh, with us um, as well, and certainly um, thanks for joining us on the phone too, Eric. I, I really appreciate it. I'm a big uh, a fan of the fan, no pun intended, <laughs> but I was saying that um, the PAL League, uh, especially with uh, the way the um, certain uh, atmosphere is nowadays is with police and the general public, um, I couldn't think of a better time to have the PAL League with um, underprivileged kids where police officers go and give them somebody to look up to, a moral compass to look up to. And I couldn't think of a better example, and I really love the fact you guys are pushing this on the WFAN. Thank it's you. the fact that PAL Leagues need to be funded and if you guys are doing anything right now, if you're drinking your morning coffee listening to this, PAL, PAL leagues need to be funded immediately because those are the life lessons you learn and those are the life lessons that you keep for the rest of your life. And the people that influenced me in the PAL league, I couldn't pay you enough to tell you the amount of knowledge they gave me. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for your sentiment, sentiments and your kind words uh, this morning. Well, thank Fred? you, and, and uh, thank you. I mean, I couldn't get a better uh, sort of advertisement um, for the PAL than that. 
Um, very interesting uh, discussion. Um, repeat the website address, if you would. Please. Yes, it's uh, www.palnyc.org. I'm Bob Solter. We're in a discussion about the work of Powell Police Athletic League. Fred Watts, who's executive director of Powell, is in studio with us on the fan this Sunday morning. And what I said we will do is to try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as well. We'll get back to the phones in just a second. But one of the things that I mentioned in the beginning of this discussion, and this in a way kind of ties into um, the comments that were coming from our first caller this morning, Eric from uh, Bayville. Part of the work that Pal does is in the area of working with not only police officers, but obviously with young people, and establishing a relationship between those two segments of our society in 2018. What's that like? Well, it's one of the most important aspects of what we do. Um, you know, the, um, the police officers have an extremely difficult job, and uh, young people in inner-city neighborhoods also have extremely difficult experiences. And working with each other, I believe that they can make each of their experiences better and more um, uh, fruitful for both. We found that in our programs that when the police officers, as the caller mentioned, coach and play with the children, and similarly when the children work with the police officers, their knowledge of each other changes. The police officers need to learn more about the communities. The children need to learn more about the adults and the police officers in their community. And when they work and play with each other, we have done a lot of studies and that we've sort of found that the police have a completely improved relationship with the community. And similarly, the children, the teens often have much improved relationships with the officers. And that makes for a more sort of meaningful relationship in the communities, a safer relationship in the communities. And, and, and that's really one of the more important parts of what we do. In introducing that um, idea or concept, what is, I guess, what is the initial reaction um, to that from, really from both parties? And I think that um, the initial reaction is one of skepticism, one mm -hmm. of not, you know, discomfort. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We found one of our programs we call Operation Conversation cops and kids. In other words, police officers and teens literally sit in a circle and through um, mediation and role play, they get to uh, express themselves to the others. When that, we found, and we've done many, many of those sessions, what we found is in the beginning, the police are very skeptical. They don't really, not comfortable being there. And the, and the teens are not comfortable being there. It's, 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 there's concern. Um, but as the sessions grow and as the groups get to know each other, we have found that there's a real uh, improved understanding. And that improved understanding results in improved communication, which in 
results in sort of just better experiences. So it starts off a little rocky. It typically ends up in a very positive experience. In fact, we did a specific survey of our teens. 93% of the teens that participated in the Cops and Kids program improved their relationship with the police. And a 100% of the police improved their relationships with the local teens. So we believe it works and we've seen the evidence of that. But it mm. starts off a little slow, but it, 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 it's, a, it's a meaningful experience. And is that something that you're also working to to get the word out about? Because so very often we hear about uh, the focus is on the negative. The focus is on the things that don't work, um, the discord. Um. We, we try hard, but we also try to be honest. I mean, I as an African-American man and uh, my father was an African-American man who worked as a police officer in New York City. Um, I am very conscious of some of the challenges that police and community have had. There have been some episodes that are extremely regrettable and difficult. Um, but the goal is to start from those experiences, be honest about those experiences, but to look to ways to improve those experiences. And to me, it's very simple. If your experience with a police officer your first experience, can be a reasonable and positive one, the experiences that follow will often um, be safer, reasonable ones. If you have a negative experience with a police officer as a child or as a youth, you're likely going to develop negative experiences. So it's, it's the responsibility of both parties, the police and the community, to really try to understand each other and try to make those initial experiences positive because I think uh, future positive experiences will flow from that. But it is difficult, and, and it is hard, honest work, but I think it can be very meaningful work. Is one of the outcomes of the conversations as well interest on the part of the young people who participate in areas of law enforcement as careers? We have found that um, our experiences probably are what you might expect, the the, the, the the children in some of the neighborhoods where we are, the last thing they want to do is be a police officer. They, they sort of view it as a, the, the thing that you don't want to be. But as they get exposed to the police officers, they realize that many of these police officers grew up in the very neighborhoods and the very same public housing that they grew up in. And they had some of the very same challenges. They like the same music. They like the same sports teams. They start to realize that there's more, they have more in common with many of the officers. And then they see what the positives are that the officer can bring to that community. And what we have found is we have encouraged kids both to stay in school, to get involved in um, uh, the Explorers program, mm -hmm. and the NYPD, and other programs where they actually really feel like being a police officer or being in law enforcement, they can contribute to their community. Mm. Interesting discussion we're having with uh, Fred Watts, who's executive director of PAL Police Athletic League on our program on the fan. You want to join us? You can, 877-337-6666. you got a question that's on point with what we're talking about. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go to uh, Raphael, who's called us from Vermont, been on hold for a long time. I'm sorry to keep you on hold so long. Welcome to the fan. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, a good, uh, happy Sunday, guys. Um, I my background is I was an MP, military police in the National Guard. Mm -hmm. So I had a chance to go to the police academy. 
I'm not even going to talk about police brutality because it's not really, everybody's talking about that. It's not my thing. But your program, one thing that is really important is what are you going to do about the, the, the police has to realize there is a problem because the youth, they're not going to trust you if the institution is flawed. Like, take, for instance, what happened in Georgia this week when two police officers, and it's not a black woman, it's a white woman, when these two police officers decide to flip a queen to determine if they're going to make an arrest. Is there a time when when you people start talking about, like, listen, there's something wrong about that institution because how come two police officers can make such a bad judgment. And don't tell me it's a French element. It's becoming too many cases. And, 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 and if you guys do not accept it, something is utterly wrong. And today you are talking all that thing, all that good work, until you guys fix the police force so they decide to respect the law. Because I, I, I know police work. I went to the academy. There is nothing in the rules that says to do something. So it's not making sense. And nobody wants to approach it saying, enough, gents, we don't do stuff like that. We're going to decide to stop following the law to the way the SOP, the way we're supposed to do those things. Okay. I'll let you explain on that. Right. Thank you. We'll let you, uh, Fred, respond on air. Now, this, this gets us into an, an interesting area. I'm going to let you respond. Um, well, when I listen to Raphael speak, I the thing that strikes me is institutions versus individuals. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are institutions. Uh, my experience with the New York City Police Department, especially over the last several years where I've been involved in the Police Athletic League, is that they have tried very hard that the institution, through its training and through its recruitment, tries hard to set the officers on the correct course. But I think what's more important is individuals make decisions, not institutions, and the individual police officers that are working with these children in turn make the types of decisions that I think I would want them to make, Raphael would want them to make, and others. So it's been my experience. You are, I guess the third thing I would say is that we do have to be honest, and I think Raphael puts his finger right on it to say we have to be honest about our problems and our issues, but we also have to embrace the fact that the individuals, these police officers that are rather than going home and spending time with their friends or their kids are spending time with kids in the community. Those individuals are the ones that are making the decisions on the street. They are good individuals that have given them of themselves. And I think that when we develop those individuals, those police officers and those kids, we really have a better community. Um, I think that's what's most important. When we talk about the work of Hal, one of the things that I wanted to touch upon as well is to talk not only just about the programs that you do, which are numerous, but what kind of um, facilities are you working with? We have um, an array of facilities. Some of them are actually quite impressive. Um, We have... um, First of all, we are in all five boroughs of New York City. We, um, we have a blend of, we are co-located in public schools and in uh, public housing facilities. 
um, community centers in those facilities. So that, that gets you into into the real heart of communities. Correct. Okay. So um, um, we do that, and we also have uh, uh, over the years have developed individual. Uh, so, for example, I'll give an example in Queen in South Jamaica, Queens. The school, the high school of law enforcement, is appended to a PAL facility. So we have a sort of a fairly new, it's maybe fifteen or twenty years old facility that has a gym and classrooms, cafeteria, mm-hmm. and so forth. And we have facilities like that in Queens, Brooklyn, a couple in Manhattan, a uh, couple in the Bronx. So our facilities are facilities we maintain ourselves or have developed, or facilities where we're co-located in schools or NYCHA facilities. And in operating those facilities, because this goes back to what we were talking about with fundraising, okay, I guess how much does that factor into what you're able to do with the monies that you raise? Well, we have – so in the um, – in many of these facilities, we, we have um, good educational uh, resources. So in other words, we have uh, – uh, large gymnasiums, we mm-hmm. have good classrooms, uh, cooking facilities for both feeding the kids after school as well as teaching cooking classes and so forth, um, computer labs. So we try to give a full range of educational experience to those kids. But you know, we have probably 30 to 35 facilities throughout the city that we are in, and we're serving probably close to 30,000 children. So when you add the number of facilities throughout the city and the number of children we're serving, we are, it is a, we, we, we desire a lot of resources. And again, it comes down to our dreams for these kids are the same dreams we have, quite frankly, for my own kids. I want them to be happy, well-educated, involved in healthy activities and go on, finish high school and go to college. That, that's our, that's our dream for these kids and those dreams, as we learn in our own personal lives, take a lot of resources, and, and we do our best to raise as many resources as possible, encourage as many people as possible to get involved, to give these kids the opportunities they deserve. The voice of Fred Watts, who's executive director of PAL, Police Athletic League. He is our guest uh, this hour of our program. Radio.com. I'm Bob Solter. We're in discussion with Fred Watts, who's executive director of PAL Police Athletic League. He's in studio with us on our program this morning. We've covered an awful lot. We've got more to get to. We'll also give you the contact information for PAL. And I said what we'll do as well is try to work in thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at WFAN. Let's go to Steve and Ron Konkama, who's been holding for a while. Steve, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Hey, how are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. Yourself? I, I just wanted to uh, just say that the um, pretty much the PAL League has helped many of my children. And um, I the relationships that have been gained from the PAL to my children and to kids in my community uh, in Ronkonkoma, um, I can't say more about it. Um, because it's it's just indispensable. Well, uh, we're grateful for that. Um, and I um, I just want to say is that anybody like you were saying prior, anybody that takes time out of their life 
from away from their family, from away from their own kids, to provide leadership to other kids is unbelievable because that is truly a sacrifice. No, I think that's, uh, that's very true, and I, I want to emphasize on that, that you know, we uh, in New York City are um, become, the New York City Police Department has embraced the notion of community policing, and the police officers during their workday um, try to work with the community in a variety of things. But in Absolutely. Addition, but in addition Ab- to that, um, as you um, emphasized, um, these officers give their own personal time, and they've been involved in sports, as you've described. We have um, arts programs, and kids are developing music with police officers. We're doing a variety of things where these officers, on their own time, come and work with these kids. And so it's great, uh, it's great and to And if hear. I can just piggyback sure. on what you just said, is the fact that this is what people need to remember is that these police officers are getting starting pay, $38,000 a year to get shot at in the largest city in the world. And these guys take time out of their own lives to help kids who don't have a father figure, who don't have people in their lives, to steer them in the right direction. So I don't want to say anything about the uh, general, national, you know, uh, the whole scope of things. But all i got to say is that if you're living in New York and you've got guys that are willing to put their life on the line for you, one, and then two, help your community and the youth, I mean, how can you, how can you say anything's wrong with that? Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much for Thank your you. call, your patience on the phone, Steve. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan. Talking Golf follows our 7 o'clock update. Uh, back to the phone we go to Ralph in Babylon. Ralph, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. Glad to talk to you guys. Uh, I'll just give a quick synopsis. I was listening to I turn, turned in a little late, and uh, I find that it's really great that, you know, uh, the NYPD and, uh, you know, find everything they can do to reach out to the kids you know, to explain to them the situation between uh, how the cops are and everything like that. One point is, I think I'm old school. Everything I do is old school. I'm 60 years old, so I I still think a lot of it has to do with the upbringing to show the respect that has been lost with the police officers. And my experiences with the PAL from when I was a kid back in Queens is uh, I'll never forget, you know, the summers I would go in there to sign up for the PAL uh, with Detective O'Connor. And like you say, you have different programs to teach them. You know what his program was? He walked us. We, we go in there as a group, you know, four or five of us guys uh, from, from the neighborhood. We were 102nd. And he would walk us around the precinct. We'd go up there, sit at his desk. He'd talk to us. And then he'd bring us over to one of the cells. And he, you guys want to go in there and see what it is? If we go in there, he closed it behind us. And he said, that's what it's like on the other side. He says, if I ever get a call, I find out you guys are in here, I'll lose all respect I have to use. But I don't think he's ever want to be on the inside of one of these. And that always stuck in our mind. But the PAL was great. It's a great organization since, as a kid, I remember, always, you know, you went there to the ball games in the gym. And like you say, these guys gave up their time for, uh, for the kids. And I think a lot of it, the respect, that the officers deserve and the detectives, everybody works in the police force, stems from, you know, it's got to be 
Jones at, at, in home. And I think that's where it's lost today. And, I, you know, all the respect for the, for the NYPD. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot has to be shown for the kids on that respect. Thank you very much for your call, Ralph. Very interesting points that you've raised. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I would, I would just add that when you talk about, um, you know, people's, uh, you know, the relationships they have in their home and how that uh, reflects on the police officers, we try um, where possible to bring that, not only the child, but their parents uh, into our PAL centers through parent engagement programs. So um, I think you're right that I think a lot of the respect that you learn for uh the police and others in your community comes from uh, your your home upbringing, and we hope that we can at least try to add the parents as part of our programming as well, where, where possible. When you do that, what's that experience like? Well, it's, you know, it's generally um, one of the things that, uh, you know, sort of the simple truths that, uh, that I, I guess I've learned in this job is that, you know, Parents want the same thing for their kids, no matter where they live. Uh, so if you are from the South Bronx or you're from Scarsdale, you want your kids to have um, a, a, a fun and meaningful experience in school and uh, outside. And so I feel that when the parents come, sure, they may have their own experiences with, uh, you know, with life, with police and others, but what they really focus on is getting the best for their kids. So when we focus on the kids and getting the best for the kids, our experience usually works out pretty well because the parents want for their kids the same thing we all want for our kids. And, and so I think, it's, I think like we talked about before, it may start out a little rocky, but if we focus on what's important, which is the development of the children, um, it usually works out pretty well. One thing we have not talked about, and that's who does the work of PAL? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting, you know, one of the staff members, uh, actually sort of taught, well, I should say actually, uh, I've learned so much from our staff and one of the, uh, descriptions of PAL by our, our director of education is, um, that we have the police, you know, policing the community sort of in one sphere. And then we have the community, you know, living their lives in another sphere. What PAL does is bring those two spheres, provides the space and the place where the police and the community can come together. That space, though, has to be run, if you will, by educators. Uh, we have teachers and group leaders and coaches, and um, we have a new acting program that's been developed. So we have... Really? You know, our, uh, we do have a really wonderful program. We One of our... Uh, board members is Tony Danza, who's a, you know, world-renowned actor, and he has been very passionate about developing this acting program. We've got staff from various, uh, I should say consultants from various, whether it's, now this acting is something I know <laughs> less about, so, but in the area of, you know, improvisation and speaking and expressing yourself, mm -hmm. we work with uh, children and we've had, you know, wonderful experiences with those kids in that program. And again, these programs are not sort of, the goal is to use those programs for greater things in life. So yes, the kids come and they, they participate in the acting program, but they also learn how to express themselves. They gain self-confidence and then they start going on college tours and they get involved in their schools. And 
we've had some really great results with children both traveling. We had a group of these kids actually went to China uh, last summer, um, and they had a, the time of their lives learning about things that, 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 that they would typically not have experienced but for the programs they were exposed to. So the work of PAL, we've talked a lot about the police officers, and they are key to what we do, but, but it is supported and created by the professionals in the teaching and sports and arts, uh, STEM uh, education, that um, really creates the, the sort of underpinning of all the programs that PAL does. Mm. And when you're talking about your staffing, what are we talking about in terms of, let's say, people who are working full-time versus those who are more seasonal or part-time? So we have, uh, in total, when you add all staff, we have close to 1,000 staff members that are either working in our summer camps, play streets, after-school programs uh, throughout the year. Um, many of them are seasonal or part-time. Uh, we have full-time staff, uh, about 120 people that are primarily, they're everything from, you know, sort of accountants to HR professionals to fundraisers and also the full-time sort of educational staff that is spread out throughout the, uh, the five boroughs. Um, so we are employing a lot of people um, to serve uh, close to 30,000 children throughout the city. Play streets, what exactly are they? Play streets are um, really the kind of the how PAL started. Mm -hmm. um, the play street concept is go into a neighborhood, clear out a vacant lot or a street, and convert it into a summer, sort of a neighborhood summer camp. So they started with you literally take all the cars off of a given street and you bring in um, you know, basketball hoops and knock hockey sets and you bring in staff to play games and, uh, with the kids. Over the years, it has developed, and, and more recently, we've tried to um, really sort of spruce up the play streets where we go into places typically less likely streets and more likely parks, um, public uh, housing facilities. And we create, again, this summer experience in the neighborhood where we have basketball tournaments, uh, fitness challenges. We bring police officers. I went to a play street where the manager of the New York Yankees came with a couple of uh, players to sort of play with the kids. So we really try to kind of really zip it up. But at its core, the play street is a space in the community where kids can literally just come down from their, you know, their homes and play on the street at the play street uh, with uh, uh, counselors and coaches and staff to kind of make sure they're safe. What's on your wish list as an organization? Oh, boy. Besides money. <laughs> uh, we, um, well, you know, 30,000 children is a lot of children, but we would love to serve more kids in more communities. I think we also, I think on a wish list, and it sounds sort of modest, but again, it's, it, it, it's not really, is to um, really expand the hours and the, uh, the opportunities for kids. So in other words, you know, we have, um, we're typically open six days a week, uh, uh, but it would be great to have more later hours, mm -hmm. more opportunities for kids to have a safe place to go. 
Um, I think it's that simple. I think another one of my sort of dreams is we have a um, very successful college readiness and workforce readiness program where we are sending kids that are graduating from high school and going to college at a rate of in the high 90 percentile, which is much uh, better than the typical New York City kid graduates from high school and goes to college. But we're serving maybe somewhere between 50 and 100 kids in a given funding cycle. And it would be great to really expand that program to have it in all five boroughs and to have hundreds and hundreds of kids participating in our programs and getting them out of high school and getting them to go to college. So those are a couple of uh, more access to our facilities through longer hours, more development of our uh, teenagers to graduate from high school and go to college and be prepared for good jobs in the city. Those are some of the, some of our dreams. Would you like to expand programs as well? Well, you know, I was, uh, in driving in this morning, I heard somebody talking about a company and, uh, and I think that they were describing an airline in the same way I think of PAL, which is I'm more interested in, I am most interested in doing really well what we do than doing more of what we do. Mm -hmm. I think we do a variety, we have a very wide breadth of programming. Um, and I'm pretty comfortable that we provide kids the array of opportunities and programs. I would love them to be deeper and richer and serve more kids. So I don't have my eye on doing different things. I have my eye on doing what we do as well as we possibly can. What are you doing with, with Kids in terms of broadcasting, by the way. You know, that's, that's, um, we actually have, um, we have in, uh, I remember we had a program in South Jamaica in Queens and it was called, um, where kids actually do podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, and we actually have some of those podcasts up, I believe on our website now. Um, so we do have in various, we don't have citywide, but I know in various, um, centers, we do have kids creating we have actually have some filmmaking class that was funded by uh, the special narcotics prosecutor. We have a um, uh, we have creating public service announcements that were uh, also funded by law enforcement, and we've uh, done some podcasts with kids who do interview. I actually saw them do one of the they were interviewing themselves about particular topics, and as I'm sure you know better than I, the notion of broadcasting not only the the technology of it, but mm -hmm. just the the ability to express yourself and ask questions and learn about the world around you is a, is a very valuable learning tool. And we, we've tried to do that in some of our centers. Okay. I may have some ideas on that. Oh, so, um, to, as, as <laughs> we'll, we'll take you and, up on them. All right. Okay. That, very interesting discussion with uh, Fred Watts, who's executive director of Police Athletic League. Website again? www.palnyc.org. Uh, Thank you very much. Certainly good luck with the work of Pal. Well, thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.